Hello, and welcome to Songs for the Struggling Artist, the blogcast. This is episode 148. Usually I only manage to record a blogcast once a week, but I'm doing two this week because um, I feel like I have a few to catch up on and uh, I have the time. So I thought I'd share this one with you um, on a Wednesday. So this one is called Americans Need Dario Fo, and it didn't get a lot of views, didn't get a lot of play. I'm not surprised because most of my audience is American and um, they don't know who Dario Fo is, which is why, you know, we need him. But uh, since we don't know who he is, he's not like, oh, let me click on that article about a person I never heard of. Um, yeah, so this one may actually hit with, um, those of you who are farther afield, uh, which hello, by the way, thank you for listening. Um, the statistics in Anchor tell me that, um, most of my audience is American, as I said, as expected, but I have some German listeners, some Swedish listeners, some Israeli listeners, Australian, in New Zealand, um, France. I think that might be the bulk. But hello. Hello. If you're in those countries, hello. Although I suppose you could just be in those countries. You could be an American in Australia. So it may not be like Australians maybe hate the show and never listen to it. But the one American that's in Australia is like, oh, I love it. I'm here for you. So whoever you are in all of those locations, I thank you, regardless of your nationality. Um, And I'm delighted that you are all listening. Um, So without further ado, I think I will just go ahead and read you Americans Need Dario Fo. Thanks to my dad and the friends of the library... A parcel full of books by and about Dario Fo arrived at my door recently. It's been years since I last looked at his work, and suddenly I was up to my ankles in faux plays and biographies. If you're American, you probably haven't seen many, or any, of his plays. I've never even seen a notice of a production here, not to mention an actual production. This work just isn't done in the United States. The first time I read some of his plays, I could not understand why. But now that I'm reading his work anew, I actually understand completely why there's been no American embracement of his work. First, he and Franca Rame, his wife and artistic partner, were not allowed to enter the United States until the 80s. Our government would not let him in. Second, his work is funny. And while the American theater lets an occasional comedy through the system... It is a rare occurrence. If an American theater institution is going to produce foreign work, it wants it to be arty, and arty usually means moody. But also the odds of doing foreign work at all are very slim. Also, particularly in the 80s, artists who had some dealings with the Communist Party were not likely to be heartily embraced. Third, and this is the bit I realized while reading, The American theater has been much too class-unconscious to welcome particularly politically progressive work. For example, in Il Ratto di Diana, The Kidnapping of Diane, there is a recurring joke about the ruling class. 
And the problem is, the only theaters that could have afforded to put this show on are all funded by the ruling classes, the kind of folks who really don't find that sort of thing amusing. The way theater gets made in this country is antithetical to the presentation of actual working-class work that might be critical of the ruling class. American theater is only possible because the ruling class has, historically, donated the funds or the buildings or the grants to keep the doors open. The reason there are parties for donors and velvet ropes is that the American theater depends on the ruling class continuing to write them big checks. American theater thinks of itself as liberal, but it is rarely actually progressive. Our radical progressive theaters like Bread and Puppet and San Francisco Mime Troupe have only managed to survive by the skin of their hippie teeth, instead of embraced as the brave American changemakers they are. American theater puts on a lot of plays about upper-middle-class families. Like, a lot. This is because those are the people who write the majority of the checks, and they like to see themselves on stage. Those audiences are not so interested in being implicated among the ruling classes, and so, of course, no big-budget theater has interest in translating and producing Dario Fo's work. Of course. Of course. Translation is part of the issue, too. The English translations we have are English, as in from England, and they read very British. In order to do these plays in America, we need to commission American writers to translate in an American style. I suspect that the way American writers are seen and supported also plays a role in keeping foe from our stages. But I think we need foe's work. We need to talk about the ruling classes. We need to develop an awareness of class. We need to put on plays that challenge our system, not just sit comfortably within it. And not for nothing, anyone deciding to produce this giant of world theater will pick up a whole lot of hungry theater goers who have been waiting for it. That is, if I see someone, anyone, producing a faux play anytime soon, I will be purchasing tickets. I will even pay full price to actually hear and see a play that challenges the ruling class. Also, sidebar, my Italian is passable, and I've already done a translation of one of Rame's plays, so I'd be happy to give foes a go if you need an American translation. So, any Dario Fo fans out there in the house? Woot, woot. Uh, you may see why there's probably a very, very, very niche audience for this particular post. A, it's about theater, which is niche, I have recently discovered. B, it's about uh, a guy in the theater that's not even an American theater maker. Um, so you have to like, <laughs> A, have an awareness of theater. B, have an awareness of like Italian theater. <laughs> anyway, I, I can see why this one got very few views. But the people who did like it, I think, were the people who were like, right on. Yes. I, too, am waiting to see some Dario Fo on an American stage. <sighs> yeah. So, um, let me know, America, if you ever get it together to put on some Dario Fo. I will be there, for sure. Yeah. Um, so, 
I am uh, <laughs> trying to set up an Instagram account for the blog and for the podcast. Um, but Instagram is weird, y'all. I, I, I'm only doing it because um, somebody asked me if it was on Instagram the other day. And even though Instagram does not link to blogs or music or anything, um, apparently it's a place to let people know what's going on. So I am attempting to do that. I have yet to figure out how to actually post from my computer. So I have an account. I just have not posted anything on it yet because it involves downloading some crazy software. And then anyway, you don't need to know the details, but I am feeling uh, frustrated with technology at the moment. <laughs> um, but other technology I'm not so frustrated by right now that might be helpful in terms of supporting the podcast uh, and, the, and or the blog is you can support me on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Emily R. Davis. There's Kofi. There's PayPal. You can look me up on both of those places. Um, I'm at Struggling Artist on PayPal and Emily Rainbow Davis on Kofi. Uh, also, you can follow me on Twitter, like the Facebook page. There is a Songs for the Struggling Artist pa Facebook page. And... Uh, this post sort of references a previous post um, about the Velvet Rope. So if you haven't listened to that one, I recommend it. Um, I feel like these two posts are kind of connected in a, in a spiritual way. Maybe spiritual is going a little far. But, but at least this one references that one. So if you want to catch up on that one, go for it. Um, yeah. Uh, that's all, I think. Meanwhile, uh, I am still adding uh, previous episodes up onto Anchor, and I am, I think, at 27 now, um, and I am about to hit the end of 2016. So the tone, I haven't really been listening to them as I've been posting them, but I think the tone has shifted <laughs> because it's, it's December of 2016. The last one I posted was from the end of December in 2016, so... Um, I, I feel it was probably a dark night of the soul right about then. Uh, the last one I posted is my post that was called uh, Art Under Fascism is Good, Actually. Uh, if you feel like you want to hear what a terrified American artist sounded like at the end of 2016, then check out that episode. It's episode 27. So for today's song, I did some you know, research um, about songs that might connect to uh, the working class, given that Dario Fo is kind of a working class um, playwright, theater maker, performer guy. Um, and it is interesting because a lot of the songs that I found are um, English. And I think American sort of recognition of class is so like we just I think Americans just believe that there is no such thing um and so even though there are songs that maybe address the working class condition there's there's no like actual mention of class so for example when I did a, a search for you know songs about the working class songs about you know the I can't remember exactly what my search terms were but like they mentioned Fast Car by Tracy Chapman and um, Youngstown by Bruce Springsteen. Bruce Springsteen, I think, is our kind of working class hero. 
Although, if I remember correctly, he he actually doesn't come from the working class that he he sort of speaks for. Um, I have to do some research on that. I feel like I had a whole conversation, but I can't remember. <laughs> anyway, uh, we don't have people who talk about class in music so much, um, but they do over in the England. So um, I w- was working kind of on two songs. Um, and one is sort of just seemed like it's obvious. It's the most obvious. And it speaks kind of. So I decided to do John Lennon's Working Class Hero because Dar- Dario Fo is a working class hero in my mind. So it just it just was the neatest um, it's pairing, I guess. Uh, but the other song that I am still playing with is um, Billy Bragg's Between the Wars, um, which I will definitely put on a future episode. Uh, yeah, it's just, uh, I don't know. I don't know. We have a class problem in this country. Uh, so I here give to you uh, John Lennon's Working Class Hero. born, they make you feel small, by giving you no time instead of it all, till the pain is so big you feel nothing at all, a working class hero is something to be, a working class hero is So fucking crazy you can follow their rules. A working class hero is something to be. A working class hero is something to be. When they've tortured and scared you for 20 odd years. you to pick a career when you can't really function you're so full of fear a working class hero is something to be a working class hero is with religion and sex and TV and you think you're so clever and classless and free but you're still fucking peasants as far as I can see a working class hero is Hero is something to be. 
top they are telling you still. First you must learn how to smile as you kill. If you want to be like the folks on the hill. A working class hero with something to be. A working class hero Just follow.